All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Legitimus Podcast. Uh, I actually don't know what episode we're on. 13, I believe. 13. I don't know. I don't we're know. on 13, I'm pretty sure, the Dan Marino episode. Um, anybody who doesn't know Dan Marino, that's his football number. Anyways, right back on track. I did you didn't know who know Dan Marino was? I don't know who Dan Marino is, but I don't know what his freaking number is. Yeah. Or was. So I'll, get into, I'll get into that story later about football numbers. Anyways... What are we talking about? Legitimus podcast already. I'm already off track. And are you? Goodbye. Are you? Are you a big football fan, Miller? I love football. Really? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm not a sports ball kind of guy. Well, <laughs> but wait, wait, I do live in Kentucky, so go Cats. Dude, it's crazy here. Seriously. Horse racing. Oh yeah. Um, I I I'm not big into horse racing. Uh, the in-laws are. They're actually going to Keeneland uh, this week. Uh, and Britt's dad always puts money on the uh, on the derby. They go to the track. We've got a racetrack close to us. It's called uh, – oh, shit, I'm drawing a blank. It doesn't matter what it's called. It's just up in Florence. Ah, what's that track called? Killer, are you into uh, goat racing? <laughs> Goat racing. He's a goat herder now. Dude, those goats were awesome, man. They were following you around with the fence on your story. It was so cool. Yeah, they're pretty cool little dudes. What's their names again? I always forget. Yeah. We, we talk about this every time. Sniffy and Harry. Harry Sniffles. No. no. Okay. Actually, really cool names. <laughs> All right. So, where were we? Back on topic, oh, I guess. This is the, a legitimate podcast where we're supposed to talk about axes, not football <laughs> statistics and horse racing. But that's okay. Um, let's Hold see. Up. So, Hold up. Killer, why don't you take over? What do we got going on today in the land of Ohio? What's happening? What's new? Uh, not a lot new. Just still working, 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 working. Busy with other work. <clears throat> I did find on eBay and actually won a very significant Norland piece. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Let's talk about that bad boy. So I already have one. It's a, uh, I believe it's a 2.2 pound cruiser or two and a half pound cruiser. It's somewhere in that range. I don't know the weight. I, I don't, I didn't weigh it. <clears throat> it is what it is. Um, so it's a, just a traditional cruiser axe on a, I believe it's a 28-inch handle. But it's Norlin, which, like I mentioned, I have. But I don't, mine isn't that nice and it's not on a handle. This is on the original handle, has the original paint, the original stickers, and the original sheath. Now, it is used. Somebody, It looks like somebody took it out of the box and swung it a couple times, and they're like, ah. Forget about this, and that's where it sat for the last, who knows, 30 years. But it's it's significant because I would say, based off of Tom Lamont's writing, most people don't even even know that it exists, because I know I didn't. I didn't know it existed five years ago. And I was heavy in New Orleans, you know, before that. 
I'd say closer to eight years ago. Um, there's no, there's no, writing, there's no literature on it. There's no writing on it. There's no way of knowing it exists other than physically exists. All right. So to I, that point, so it's not in like if you, if we look at some of the older catalogs as what was offered, uh, eBay listings, stuff like that, like that guy, it's just not out there then. Is that where, in, where we're going with? In none of the information that I have seen or have, it is not there. There's actually several models that are not out there. Um, and this is one of them. And what's cool about it is it's in such pristine condition um, that it, you don't see many of, of those like that anyway. So to have one in that nice of condition is even more bonus. Because it helps. Let's say I want to catalog all the New Orleans I have found someday. Well, now I have this version of that model in that nice, in nice pristine condition that I can get good clean instead of what I have, which is the New Orleans half rubbed off and there's no handle on it and there's no paint on it and it's rusted and the ground on the edges a little bit. So it's not a good representation of that all right, so let's talk about this here from a historical perspective then. So you basically you found like King Tut's tomb in the land of Norlands here because it's not out there. There's no information. Like this thing missed the geological record whenever we're digging up dinosaurs, so to speak. So I'm on Tom Lamont's page. Obviously, we know the Godfather. And he has some of the Norlands that are listed on there, the Voyager, the Tomahawk, blah, blah, blah. Now... Because I know that this question will come up. So what you're saying is that that one that you have there is neither the saddle cruiser nor the trailblazer. This is correct. Now, so to the average Joe then that's looking at these pictures saying, wow, that one that he has looks like it could be either one of those. Why is it not one of those? Yeah. Okay. So the saddle cruiser is tiny. It's like six inches. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the measurements are, but I did take a picture and post it on, on Facebook of this metal cruiser and this cruiser side by side. Yeah. I saw that. Yep. Yeah. It's huge. Now, here's what else is interesting is there are four double bit Norlands in total, which a lot of people don't know. I did not so know that. You have your saddle cruiser and you have your trailblazer, and everybody knows about those because Tom Lamont wrote about them. You have your two pound cruiser axe, and then you have your three and a half pound Michigan full size. Oh, I remember you telling me about the Michigan. And I, I have all four. I have a representation of all four. Um, that that last full size Michigan was the last Norland piece that I got. It took me the longest to get because didn't weren't you talking to some dude and he was like jerking you around a little bit on that? Yeah, I had a line on on he wanted to sell his whole collection. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I didn't want to buy his whole collection. I just wanted to buy a piece. Uh, but anyways, I ended up getting one off of eBay, and it all worked out. There, the the level of 
mystery to Norland is unreal. And I actually, I think I have enough information and enough pieces to fill the gaps from what Tom Lamont wrote. And uh, I've been trying to think of how to do that. You could just have a like a whole supplemental pamphlet on Norland. Yeah, I mean, with pictures and, and descriptions and measurements. Because here's what happened. I used to have all I used to have the videos on YouTube of almost all the Norlands until I started adding these real rare ones. And uh, people would come on there and they would watch the videos supposedly. The videos were too long. That was my first mistake because people won't sit through a 35 minute long video. But they would watch it and they're like, well, you don't have the frontiersman, which is the, the little tomahawk. Well, no, if you watch the video at, at this mark, you'll see there's the tomahawk. Well, you don't have this one. No, it's, it's in the video. What's the measurements on this one? Um, I don't know. I don't have that axe in front of me. <laughs> so. <laughs> it just it got to be stupid. I mean, they've used, they've tons of views, and I'm sure they helped some people, but you know, a lot of people had questions that weren't answered in the video. So I, I took all those down and need to redo it. But if I do it again, it's going to be one video, one axe. Yeah. So, and in that video is going to give the weight, the measurements, close-ups, comparables, variations, because that's the other thing. There's every model that I've seen has some sort of variation. And, and some guys want to really nitpick that. And they're like, well, no, this is another version of that. No, it's a variation of that model. Like you can't, ties change over time. They don't, you know, it's not going to be. Yeah, in, in, in the Norland era, we're talking 60s to the 80s or whatever. And the, the quality of those dies were far less superior than the quality of the dies way back when. And you can tell it in the forging marks and the process and the finish work on them. So it it stands to reason that there are going to be slight variations from one piece to the next. Um, Just, I mean, it's just kind of intuitive to me. Yeah. But I don't know, all that to say, that this one's significant as in because of the condition it's in and how the, the story can be passed on because we have a better representation. Because I have seen them, and like I said, I have one, but it, it's a poor, poor condition, um, still functional, but as, you know, as far as like giving you actual measurements and specs and all that off of it, it who knows because it, it's been used. But, um, so what is this one called that you just got? Sorry, I had to step out. FedEx. It is, to my knowledge, it doesn't have a name. Um, it's just a cruiser because that's that's where things get weird with Norland. Um, you know, like the the stuff that Tom Lamont wrote about all all had a model name, and some of them had script up. Why is my dog barking? <laughs> Some of them have script on them, but um, like this one just says, it, it doesn't say anything. It's just a cruiser. Let me go. Take it. <laughs> Welcome to the shit show. <laughs> so whenever I stepped out, Miller, 
was he talking about the the one that he just got that he showed us? Or yeah, so basically what what he got into is that he had already had one of those cruisers, yeah. and then he got this one, which is obviously in much better condition. But to his point is that there's and again this goes along with a lot of the axes axe history, the makers, blah blah blah. But what's really interesting with this whole Norland thing, and what sort of fascinates me, is that it's not like Norland is, we're talking about like an 1895 Kelly Perfect. Right, right, right. right. We're talking about a 1968 or later axe. Yeah. And there's still stuff that we don't know about this particular. So, like, to his point, he has this cruiser, which technically isn't listed on Tom Lamont's info, which, again, we've come to learn that is... That doesn't necessarily mean everything, but it's still very interesting that cruisers are, I would say, are pretty popular. Guys like them, right? I mean, they're fully functional acts, especially if we're talking about that market that they were going after, that hunting, camping, recreational, blah, blah, blah. You would think that 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 small double-bit cruiser would be pretty popular. So why isn't it listed anywhere as far as information, writings, things like that. So that's what's really interesting with with that particular piece and like how did that slip through the cracks and then what else is out there? So here's here's my opinion on why cruisers are popular today. Cuz they're not as common and they they look cooler, they're more functional in terms of camping and this whole bushcraft bullshit stuff. Um, and just because you can't find them all day, every day, like you can find Michigan double bits or Western double bits or whatever, just that, that just the, it's just a, it's slightly more rare than a standard ax. That's why it's popular. I'm convinced of that. There are people like James Nish. Like, I'm not saying that's all he wants to collect, but dude, that guy is crazy nuts over cruisers. I, I tried to get him to move on some cruisers uh, back in June or whatever it was. No way, wouldn't for it wouldn't freaking budge on him. Yeah, I mean, everybody's like that with with their own particular axes. I mean, some guys are crazy Jersey guys, man. Love the jerseys, right? Love that. Love the lugs and that big sweeping toe to heel, and they love them. Some guys, to your point, love the cruisers, and that's you know that's actually pretty cool because you know whenever I think your average Joe thinks about axes, they're normally thinking of like you know if you just had to imagine one in your head real quick, it's probably going to be like a single bit Michigan. That's going to yeah. be your typical axe, right? Yeah. Then once guys get in and they start seeing what's out there, learning a little bit more about everything, they're like. Oh man, well you got this double bit. They're like, hell, that comes in however many different patterns. You got the mm-hmm. single bit now, blah blah blah. So yeah, I mean you're always gonna have guys that that really uh, fall in love with special with special patterns and stuff. But this whole thing with Norland is really interesting because obviously there is that Norland fan base out there. It's dude, it's, it's fucking it's pretty real. Rabid. It's pretty it's, rabid. They're those guys are are in it and. um which had, had always sort of astonished me, but it makes sense. Whenever I stop and think about, like, the history in the chronological timeline, you know, so I'm 44 years old right now. I had no prior knowledge of New Orleans before mm-hmm. I got into the game. 
So like guys that would be my dad's age, say seventies, late seventies, and maybe their dads even, those would be those guys, that generation that would have knowledge of the New Orleans. And probably that was again, you know, if you're talking about nineteen sixty eight, for all intents and purposes, that was probably the last hurrah as far as any kind of acts. You know, most of them, again, you're going to be looking at your wood slashers, your flint edges, and maybe New Orleans. As far as the popularity of axes and the majority of the ones that are out there, the rest of them are going to be China, mm-hmm. maybe maybe some transfers, stuff like that. But who needed them? Nobody, nobody needed yeah. them. There was no demand for them. The only yeah. thing that they would need them for is camping, you know, maybe some hunting up at the cabin, stuff like that. And these filled that niche. You know, you had the guy in the canoe, look at me, I'm rugged, I'm an outdoorsman. So you yeah. want to talk about marketing and axes, bam, there you go. I mean, that's that's premium right there whenever you stop and think about it. At the <clears throat> worst possible time in the history of axes to try and sell them. Got this guy in a canoe going down the stream on this nice bright right or red head. And then you had those sheaths, which we won't get into that, but you had those New Orleans sheaths that yeah. were... You know, they are what they are, uh, but it's it just was, really cool. Like, what what happened? Where did it all go? Like, how did those ones that he that he's talking about, how did they slip through the cracks? Like, how do we not know anything about those? Because I haven't written the book yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, is, is Chris Killinger the authority on Norlands? I mean, I have, I, to my knowledge, I have everything Norland ever made as far as accents. Now, there is a machete I don't have. I've only ever seen an ad, which I have the ad. It's a reprint. And I saw the sheath on eBay one time, and I have no idea why I didn't buy it. I, I don't know if it just slipped through. Because you're a dummy? I don't know. Um, now, that machete, if you remember right, I've never seen that. Did, did that have any... Resemblance to like one of your standard Collins machetes? It's 100% of Collins. What was the machete that Brit. What? Becky? Yeah, Becky Greatness. What was the machete she had at your house? That Collins Legitimus one with the Legitimus sheath on it? The sheath for the Norlin looks exactly like that, except for I think it says Norlin. All right, so that, that makes sense though, because obviously post 66. Norland's, what, hit in 68, man would have absorbed all that stuff from Collins and then would have had all everything to make that machete, probably, you know, the instructions or directions, whatever you want to call it, for the sheath. So, I mean, that would make sense for them because I don't really remember Man Edge making machetes. They probably did at some point, but I don't re- really remember that. I'll have to look in one of these old catalogs. They had a knife, which I have. It's called the Deep River. It looks like a uh, freaking Green River buffalo skin. It says Norland on it and all that stuff. But I, there's several models that they don't... There's no literature on it that I have. Um, maybe... I don't Maybe we're overthinking this. Maybe... Uh, Shit. <laughs> maybe they're just like, you know what? We're going to... We're going to make... This stuff, we're not going to put out tons of literature. It doesn't freaking matter. Like, the, I don't know. 
what Mike's saying is the last hurrah. So, like, they can see the writing on the wall. There's no no need to go through all of the, like, catalog and everything and yada, yada, yada. Just freaking make some shit, put it out, and sell it, and try to try to make a dollar as quickly as we can because it's going fucking downhill quick. So, Killer, do you have any Norland literature? Like, did they ever have a separate catalog or was any have, of the stuff in other man catalogs? I have, I have pages from a catalog. Where I wish I knew where it was right now. I'd go get it. I mean, is I have like all. A, of, is it a sales ad or is it like a like an actual catalog or pe- looks parts like a, of a catalog? It looks like a, like a salesman's catalog page. Um, the crazy thing is, is somebody contacted me a few like years ago, and he said he's he had some original like, salesman catalog pages, like, stuff that a salesman would take to a retailer and be like, "Look, here's Norlin, you can buy these, whatever." And he uh, he showed me pictures of these things, and I'm like, "Dude, I, I, like I gotta have those." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm working on a deal, blah blah blah," and. I don't know whatever happened to the guy. He disappeared. But then two years later, I found the stuff on Google Image. So I just copied all that stuff and, and downloaded it. Ah. So I put together my, like, little <clears throat> book of Norland. So I have all the stuff that Tom Lamont put on it. And then I have these few pages that kind of fill the gaps, but still only talk about the, the camper acts, the cabin acts the trailblazer, the Canadian, the hunter's hatchet, the tomahawk, frontiersman, voyager, whatever else I'm leaving out, saddle cruiser. It, it only talks about the stuff that Tom Lamont Like there's no, there's no literature on a, on a two pound or two and a half pound cruiser axe double bit. There's no literature on a three and a half pound Michigan double bit act. Um, I have a camp set that's that in, it's a, a cardboard box. It's got Norlin all over the picture of somebody camping and it includes the guide saw, a shovel and the hunter's hatchet. It's probably the most rare, rarest Norlin piece on, in existence. If there's anything more rare we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> so. So, so would that be in direct competition then? Yes. With the true temper? Yep. Same, same thing, Camp Miller. Yeah. Same, same thing, but Norland, right? Okay. Right. And the picture, the picture and the artwork is a little different. So that's, that's interesting. I did not know that that actually existed from Norland. So. We, actually should, we actually should get together with those kits and take pictures of them together. I, I just find it interesting that from a paperwork perspective, if we're just talking catalogs, advertisements, I mean, I would have to think that some of those advertisements are going to be in like your field and stream, blah, 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 stuff like that. And life. We just life stuff, you know, whatever, or any of those magazines, especially during the seventies. Um, and we just, I guess we haven't gotten to them yet. We haven't seen them. You know, they're out there. We'll find them now because obviously if we're talking about them, guys are going to start digging for them. Uh, 
even this this Collins catalog here, which obviously is Man Edge, that's from 1988. Good grief. This has no mention of Norland in it. This is just all basics. I mean, you can really see in this thing how basic stuff got. I think man, I think Norland is dead by then. Well, that's a question. Were they or, or or weren't they? I mean, obviously, Man Edge was still making stuff. So did they pull the plug on that? By like the mid '80s is is that what the the rumor I think is? The com- I think the company went out. It actually says in Tom Lamont's, uh literature when the company was in business from '60 whatever to '80. I don't have it in front of me, dude. I can't retain the information like that. But was it even a company or was it just a line? I mean, because okay. it, that that it's so blurry for me. Norlin was was a originally like a, a fishing company, like they made fishing gaffs and fishing yeah. equipment, ice creepers and stuff like that. And he expanded his business by introducing a line of axes. Now, Norlin never actually made the axes; it was it was all man edge, but it was. The OA or OF, Norlin, whoever, the original guy, it was his idea to come out with these different models. And I'm assuming he made the patterns. So um, it was just cool because it targeted outdoorsmen. And that's what the draw is for me, you know, the, all the patterns targeting outdoorsmen. Um, like Norlin is just one little snippet of the whole the whole thing, like that's what's so exciting about this whole axe is we're discovering all of this. Like we, it's not written out in a book already. Like you could go if you're into collecting Stanley planes, you can literally go to a website, hold the plane in your hand, and look at the numbers and the and the features and this and that, and, and completely date the thing to an exact date. You can't do that with axes right now, and like we're we're discovering. All of it, like, I mean, even though it's been, people have been collecting for, what, 20 years now? Like, I mean, hardcore. And yeah, we're yeah, yeah. still uncovering layers. And it's just, you know, New Orleans just one little piece of the pie in the, the grand scheme of things. I mean, you could dive into any of this stuff. Like, um, American Beauty, there's another one. What, What's up with the mystery with that? You know, how many models did they make? There's no literature. You have no idea. Like you just you're on peeling back the layers of of information a little bit at a time. Norland just stuck with me because of the outdoors relation. So so this is pretty interesting. Uh, the Godfather there, Mr. Lamont, says that indications are that Easy Sales and Manufacturing Incorporated of Gardenia, California, either acquired the line or the primary marketing rights in 1986, but that Man-Edge tool continued to manufacture some of the axes that were continued in the line. Recent observations strongly <clears throat> suggest that the brand has been sold again, and axes under that name may be manufactured elsewhere, perhaps in the Far East. So who knows what's going on there? You'll probably, I don't know if we'll ever know that. No. Um all right, so here's my last question then on Norland because I don't know anything about them. So if I'm looking at these pictures and they have the, the Voyager Axe and the Tomahawk, the Camper, the Cabin, blah, blah, blah. Now, can you have one of those <clears throat> models? Like, let's say, can I have a Camper Axe 
that two and a half pound with a 24 inch handle, can I have that camper model, but then it be stamped Voyager or one of the other names? Is that, did they do I that have, or is that, is that no go? I haven't seen that yet. I have seen like a camper stamped camper, which I have. Okay. So they didn't interchange those or anything like that. No, they, the, the models, the models were the models. Okay. So if it, if it was a camper, you could find it stamped camper or just no one. Okay. You see, you see him marked many different ways, like Norland, genuine Norland, genuine Norland and camper, uh, genuine Norland and, um, trailblazer. And it goes on and on. I actually, one of my goals is to collect all the script models. Um, so I have a representation of with script and without. And the problem is, is like, here we are talking about it right now. So for the next year, I won't be able to touch New Orleans because the prices will freaking skyrocket. <laughs> so that's always kind of confused me um, because I find New Orleans uh, and some of them have just New Orleans. Some of them have genuine New Orleans. Is, is that just a, is that just a time frame thing or is it a different higher model or like, do you know it's the significance of- behind that? It's part of the mystery. Nobody knows which which one came first. We we assume because we don't have the information. We assume that one was before the other. In other words, they started off with let's say they started off with Norland. They were stamping everything Norland, and then at some point they decided no, it needs to say genuine Norland, so they just started stamping it genuine Norland. Um, because there's no difference between a Norland and a genuine Norland. It's it's a Norland. Um, right. There's no significant difference in unless unless somewhere there's freaking literature on hey we changed the steel and made it genuine New Orleans blah 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 I don't know. You there's want to know something. my theory? Yeah. Uh, it I think it would just from a manufacturing standpoint because that's where my my dumb little mind goes. It started off as genuine New Orleans with the with the uh, stamps. And then at some point, the stamp gets worn out, and they're like, well, it's going to cost X number of dollars for a genuine Norland stamp. It's going to cost X dollars less for a gen- or for a Norland stamp. Let's go with that one. It's cheaper. I mean, you got to I mean, put it in the context of the, the, the 70s and 80s. Everything was about cost, how to reduce cost, how to increase efficiency. And if they could save a couple of dollars per stamp... I mean, and if you got to think about how many, how often are those stamps going to wear out? If they're cranking Norlands out, that stamp's going to get worn out. It's just a matter of fact; it's going to. I mean, that's as good a theory as any other that's floating around. I mean, we, we just mine's, don't know. Mine's better. Yeah, you're better, sure. Royal rules. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a theory, Miller? I, I don't know. I got. Uh... Actually, I got a guy that's emailing me right now with some Norland info. Uh oh. As um uh, as we speak, so I'm gonna wait for that email to come through. He's telling me that they did not have their own individual catalogs that they advertised within magazines and other forms of uh, media back then, um, which would make sense because we've never actually seen a Norland catalog. I would have to believe if one is out there in any kind of volume that we would have seen a Norland catalog by now. That 
doesn't mean anything. It could be 100% wrong. And hopefully it it is. I bet one day someone's going to pick up an old Collins or an old man catalog. And in the back few pages, there's going to be like two pages of pictures of Norlands. It's just like as an afterthought. I could have sworn that I had it, but I don't, unless there's another man catalog here that I have that I can't find. Uh, which, because I thought I had another man catalog. I, I know I do. I don't know where it is, because I'm an idiot. Um, That's true. I, I, I have some newspaper clippings of the ads. I see them pop up on eBay every now and then, and I always grab them. So that may be, may be the case. They only advertised in like newspapers and magazines. Which would make sense because why put out a full catalog for six or eight or, you know, 10 axes total? Well, I mean, how are you going to get those into the hands of who you want them to go to? You're, if you're talking about, I need to get my product out in front of my selling audience, who's going to be your field and stream, all those guys. Then I'm just going to put those ads into those magazines and, and try and live off that instead of cutting a regular catalog. Which but still, it seems sense, like but. it seems like there would be a supplemental piece to a regular man or Collins catalog, so that those sales reps could go out to the hardware stores and have a representation of them. Um, and there, there is. I have those pages. Um, I just don't know what they're out of. And I don't know where my book is right now. Okay, so this is interesting. So this says Norland distributor pricing sheet, effective eight one of sixty seven. Interesting. Hudson Bay axes, Voyager Tomahawk camper, saddle cruiser, trailblazer, cabin, log splitter, and then it has Norland gaffs, handy gaff, lion gaff number one, two, and number five. So this is actually dated 8-1 of 67. Is that a, just a price sheet or what? It says distributor pricing sheet. Where'd you get this? I got it from a guy. Let me see it. Hold on. Text it over to us. Now, here's an advertisement. I can't tell if this is from as the Saddle Cruiser, the Voyager, the Tomahawk, and the Trailblazer. Boy, the Trailblazer looks like a big old battle axe. It does, and that's the. I think that's the appeal. Also, it just looks cool, and if we want to put it in the context of where things are today, like oh. axe axe throwing people should be going crazy over that piece. We can't that see says, it's just a white. It's just all is, white. This is genuine Norland bush knife. Yeah, I think you. I that's think you're. Machete. I think you're talking to the guy that might have had that information that I try to get, but I have all that. Somehow it's on the internet. Here's but the genuine came... Norland rock hound, prospector and geolog- geologist pick hammer. Yeah, I think you I think you got the same files I have. But just in case you should uh, email me them. <laughs> Cover so all this bases. Is, this is interesting though because everything that we read said Norland started in 68 and this is dated 81 to 67. So Yep. And it's an actual letter from Norland. It says OA Norland Company, Lewistown, Pennsylvania. It has yeah. the same phone number as man. Well, here's the thing. Tom Tom did a, an amazing job. But I think not everything is 100% accurate only because of how much he did. 
You know yeah, what I mean? The, vol- the volume is just insane. There's no way that he could be 100% accurate on everything that he ever did. Just yeah, gonna be, here's the other thing, too. So I, last week I took a day and I went through one entire box of all the paperwork that I had from him. Photocopies, research. And I got about like halfway through the day and I was like, this is actually overwhelming. And that was, you got to remember, a lot of that paperwork that I'm looking at of his was 20 years old. 1999, Mm -hmm. 2000, 2001. Stuff that, emails that were getting sent back and forth between him and museums and curators and people that he had found, blah, blah, blah. So, like, the research that he did then with the resources that he had compared to what I have sitting here in front of this computer today, it actually makes my mind hurt about the time, the effort, the resources that he was doing. I mean, God bless him. Absolutely, God bless that guy for doing what he did then yeah, no kidding. compared to now. I mean, we have the luxury of sitting here and saying, well, Maybe he didn't have it all. Maybe he didn't get it all right. 40 years from now, 50 years from now, there's going to be some punk sitting in a chair saying, well, you know what? Miller didn't have it all. Miller didn't have it all right. And that's going to continue and continue and continue. And that's one of the things, like, you know, as you guys know, it keeps me up at night. Like, oh, man, Norland. Now, today, I'm screwed because all day I would just be like, oh, what about this Norland? What about that? But now, <laughs> now here's weirdo. one. This guy just sent me about Norland fish fish landing gaffs. And this is from OA Norland Company, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Is that the original factory? Is that or the, headquarters before the Axe Division stuff killer? I believe it was always out of PA. Yeah. I mean these guys made everything. There's safety foot chains, which is basically the chains that you put on your boot. For uh, if you're wading in the water, stuff like that. Cocked steel sole for workmen and sportsmen. They even made a. Uh, they made um, spear points for arrows. You see those those little bad boys pop up on eBay every now and then. Heel plates. Corn on the cob scraper. Yeah, I've never gotten into the, the collecting of the the other Norlin stuff like the gaffs and stuff, but. That's a whole nother avenue if you wanted. This is is a price sheet from 1953, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. So this shows all those non-axe-related products that they were using. Gaffs, corn slitters. I mean, who would ever think that you could sell a corn slitter? I mean, that just goes to show you the difference in in the time and the day and everything. But, I mean, so now I'm going to be like, oh, my God, what about this? What about that? How did it how did it slip through the cracks being after nineteen sixty eight? It's what I can't wrap my mind around. Because no one cared about axes in nineteen sixty eight. Well, I think that's part of it. I mean it's I think that's the sad truth. And we we've said this many, many times that Norland was trying it was the last ditch effort. They were trying to capitalize on this whole rugged outdoorsman theme and it worked to a degree. But clearly it wasn't as successful as, I don't know. It. I think there's more interest in Norland today than there was in 1968 or 1970. <laughs> Absolutely. But wasn't that like the golden age of camping? 
I don't 60s. think so. I think the golden age of camping was in the 20s. I think it's a point that could be debated. Um, they, you know, so you had that Collins Auto Camp Axe, and you had a couple other ones that were made for that. Like once we got out of the recession, and you know things were were booming, you had that, you know, in the 20s, and then recession hits, and then the war goes, and then post war, you know, everybody was, you know, things were great, the economy's booming, the babies are being made. There's like, I don't know, like 10, 10 babies a second or something like that. If you look at the stats and then people were like, listen, I got a little bit of extra money. Let's, Hey, let's go camping. So you had that, that wave in like the forties and fifties, I think. And then things sort of died off. Now I think to Chris's point though, you had, you, there was definitely a camping market there. Obviously it was realized, you know, man in Norland went after it. It, it was just the, you know, there's so many different factors. I'm sure. The imports, you know, the China, you could go to the hardware store then at that particular time and you can go get a China axe for probably half the cost of a Norland, if not even more. And I'm sure that did not help things. Um, I'm sure at some point there, probably during the eighties, you know, when the economy wasn't necessarily booming that then less disposable income, people aren't going camping as much, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's always been there. I think it's just sort of fluctuated with where we've been at as a society yep. in the, in the economy. Dude, if we, like, what's going on in 1968? The Vietnam War and the country's overrun with freaking hippies. And here's this company, and they're like, hmm, I think we should go camping. We should make axes. We should make tomahawks. It's just, like, all of it seems really freaking weird to me. The timing of everything. You know, like we said, it was the last last go, man. That was it. It just doesn't seem like if, if you got in a time machine and you're like, hmm, let's pick a time frame where we should launch this really cool line of camping back to nature, outdoorsman stuff. Hmm, what year would that be? Oh, 1968. That would be like the last year that I would, I would pick. Here's an invoice from 1959. Or excuse me, a price list, 1959. It says O.A. Norland and Company, division of Managed Tool Company. Yeah. So that's interesting. This whole but freaking. I, <laughs> I think the the whole thing with Norland though is that what is they're always going to have that special place because again you have that was the last raw man that that was it and those were the axes, really the last ones with paper labels. Yeah, you had these Collins and that stuff that had the paper labels. I don't. The commander. Um, they don't really do anything for me, but these sort of have that niche of where these were your sportsmen, your outdoorsmen. This is your guy in the canoe going down the roaring river. Look at me with my red axe, my trailblazer. And what Looking. was up with that like orange tape stuff? It's not, it, it's like paint, but it's kind of like safety tape or something like that on the tops of them. It's weird. Yeah. What is that killer? It's freaking tape. It's tape. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Yeah, so, what we got to figure out now is where is this missing literature for all these other Norlands that Killer's talking about and has that we just don't have any info out there on them. So, so has this whole conversation made you want to collect some Norlands, Miller? No. Being, 
No. Hmm. <laughs> I, well, I told you I had the one. I had the one that he has, and it was new. It was still in the plastic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the cardboard, it had the sheath in it. It had never even been removed. I got it and immediately turned around and sold it. And then the other two Norlands I had, I sold actually at your place. You and sold Norlands I, at my place? Sure did. Why did what? What'd you freaking sell? Uh, two Norlands. They're just the regular. I don't know what were they? Uh, tomahawks. You just said Norland. The Tomahawk and the Voyager. Um, Why didn't you sell those to me? Hey, they're on the table. You can't buy all of them, right? Yeah, I can't. I can't get into Norlands and fire axes <clears throat> and Swedish stuff and Euro it, stuff. And at the end this, of the day, that, yeah, I can't. I gotta keep it in line somehow, or else I'll be a <laughs> guy living on day, a, in a van with all these axes in the back. Be like, hey, who wants to buy a spiller? Every every single axe that Miller sold, you're like, why didn't you sell that to me? Dude, you got the coolest axe at the whole place. Dude walked up to you and he's like, hey, you want to buy this? And you got first dibs on it before anybody else got there. And you're you're pissed because he sold a couple of common Norlands? <laughs> I'm not pissed. <laughs> Does it sound like I'm pissed? <laughs> I, uh, I like the Norlands. They definitely are intriguing to me because they represent – a very interesting piece of axe history that I think has been overlooked and forgotten, but yet they have their rabid fan base out there that is very interesting to me. And they're, they're important. They, they have their niche in, in axe history. So you got those Kelly perfect guys, you got the black Raven guys, you got, um, I don't know, Lincoln guys, on down the line, and then you're going to have your Norland guys too. And it's actually very, very important because technically, if you're going to be able to find these and in pretty good shape, like what Killer's got, they should be out there somewhere. But there's still this great mystery to them as far as like, I got this cruiser, no info out there on it. I got this, never seen it before. And it's from 68 or on. Mm-hmm. That's what That's what's really amazing to me. Well, what's amazing to me is that you're more interested in putting all these pieces together uh, as opposed to actually collecting the pieces themselves. You're more interested in the story and the timeline and the history as opposed to the actual axes. Yeah. I mean, it's a great piece of history if you're talking about from an accent. I mean, Killer's already got all the pieces, so... I'll find the info. We'll put the two together. We'll get married, and we'll have a Norland ceremony and call it good. Mm, mm. <laughs> you guys are idiots. You guys are idiots. So, Killer, what is the? We're going to talk. This whole episode is going to be about Norland. No shit. Fuck's <laughs> sake. God damn. It's all right because it's it's a piece of history that is out there, and, and I don't think a lot of guys know about it. I mean, look at all the education that I'm getting today on it, which is awesome. Killer, what is the most rarest than Norland piece, literature, sheath, I don't know, prospect pick? I, I saw, rare? Yeah, like, wasn't there like an Indian tomahawk that was like a hard forge? Like, actually looked pretty oh, rough. Yeah, that's, but was, that's the Frontiersman. And when, when that first hit the scene, they're like, some guys, 
We're like, yeah, they only made a thousand of them. Well, I've seen a thousand of them listed on eBay. So <laughs> there was way more than a thousand of those things made. Um, it's the only Norlin that I know of that has no um, markings on it. Other, it. It doesn't say Norlin. It doesn't say Frontiersman. It doesn't say anything. It's completely blank. It came without a paper label. Um, the only way that you know that it's a Norlin is by <clears throat> the actual shape of it. It's got a like a weird. It looks like a stone chipped finish. Yeah, yeah. And a very unique handle. And the, of course, the classic Norlin sheath. Um, now I saw pictures of one brand new in a package. That's how I was able to determine that that is in fact a Norlin. And then the one I have currently, um, I don't have the packaging for, but I have the sheath and it looks to be unused. Like the whole piece looks brand new other than I don't have the packaging for it. So that it's, it's not really that rare. I mean, it, it is, but it's not. It, the thing is, is people didn't know what it was. Now people know what it is. And you can go on eBay and, and fetch one at almost any given time, but they, they command a high price. In my opinion, the, the rarest Norlin piece ever is the machete. Well, now next, that's ruined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next to that, next to that would be that camping kit as a whole. Like the, you can find the pieces individually, except for you'll never find a shovel because the shovel has no markings on it. Who knows who made the shovel? I think it says tempered in, in USA on it, but other than that. You have to get the kit to know that it, that it is what it is. But yeah, the only way you'd know that that's, that, that was part of that kit is if it came with the kit and that's, that's a, what I have. That's, that's the second rarest thing that I know of. Everything else is, it's fairly common. And then when you start getting into these, these unknowns, the, the cruiser double bit, it's, it's sort of rare. You don't see it often. Um, or if you do, people take such, crappy pictures you could score <laughs> think that it's a saddle cruiser because i know i've done that i i actually have to read the descriptions and hope that they put measurements instead of their description saying pictures are the description like no we need measurements asshole <laughs> but <laughs> so they, those are those are rare your full-size michigans are, are are pretty rare i haven't seen a lot of those and then um, there's some there's some other models that could be considered variations of the cabin axe, um, but that's a whole nother rabbit hole. So Miller, the one you gave me is it looks like a Michigan, and it's got bevels on it. So were there variations of that where it's just no bevels and bevels? Silence. I don't know. I thought you were talking to him. I don't know. I've seen the Norlands with the bevels on them, but again, I didn't know just how, if those were very popular, if they weren't that popular, I would assume that they're trying to sort of bring back the lore of the, the beveled axe, uh, you know. Well, it looks just like a commander. So the original, <laughs> the original cabin axe had bevels. 
and it was sort of a Michigan pattern. Yeah. I believe if you see one that doesn't that doesn't have the bevels and is similar, I believe that's a variation of the Cabinax. Okay. I don't I don't feel like there's enough differences for it to warrant whole other right. I mean, why would they make – so they made this cabin axe, right, for, for what? Obviously for your cabin. And, and I believe the advertising that I've seen actually says, you know, when you're at the in the woods of the cabin, use this three-and-a-half-pound Michigan to split your firewood or something like that. I mean, I, it's something marketing like that. So why – why would they already have this marketed. Why would they come up with another model that's a three-and-a-half-pound Michigan with without bevels? No bevels, yeah. They call anything other than their cabin axe. I just don't understand. Yes, it looks different. The poles are different. Um, but it's still a Michigan three, three and a half pound axe. So yeah. it's a variation. Do those, are, are those fairly common? Yes. You see those a lot. Really? Yeah. Just type in rare Norlin and it'll pop right up. <laughs> I've always, I've never had uh, the rafting pattern, but I love the looks of it. It looks really cool. That's Collins has one exactly the same as well as uh, Master Mechanic. Mm-hmm. And I believe Craftsman. They all, they're all exactly the same. Um, Axe. Just running down the same factory and they put different stamps on them. Yeah, so that's just another example of mass you know, produced. Stamp it whatever we want this week. So the Norland Axe, um, you can find those in original packaging more than any other axe on the market. And it's because they sold them to all these where, uh, hardware stores, and then the hardware stores go out of business, and then they're just sitting in on the shelf somewhere, and someone liquidates it and it goes into a barn or whatever, or I, I don't know. Like it just it, it amazes me how many times you can find these things in the original packaging. So that being said. It, it's a telling point in in history that these things were not flying off the shelves. I, yeah, I think to a point. Um, I think there's probably some other some other things that go in along with that. One of the things that I always think about with the New Orleans is that did you ever see an axe that was ever packaged like that? Had the yeah. cardboard backing. You had the basically the big thing of plastic almost like shrink wrapped on there. You had the sheets thrown in on the side. Then, you know, it was all had the, like the, basically they had that logo. The guy in the canoe was on the cardboard in the back and, but the whole thing was in plastic. So basically it was like, Oh, you're not going to go and buy that off the rack. You're going to buy that in that cardboard plastic. All right. So let me, let me, let me frame this differently. Whenever, whenever you are out looking for axes or on eBay looking for axes, the amount of new old stock pieces from, if you want to compare Norland to, let's just say Plum, because there are a bazillion of them, freaking uh, Boy Scouts or whatever. 
kind of along the same lines, right? Or um, the wood slasher. How many how many new old stock pieces from the seventies or eighties, late sixties through the eighties, are you going to find of Kelly, Plum, Collins compared to new old stock stuff of Norland? To me, it seems like there is more Norland stuff out there in pristine condition as compared to those other companies that I just mentioned. I don't in know that, that in that there, era. There's there's a shit ton of those Collins Homestead ones out there with that red and blue label that says Collins Axe on it. There's quite a few of those. The plums, I think it depends on which axe that you're talking about. Obviously, the original plum hatchets, um, there's a ton of those out there. The All-American you'll see. And then there's that... Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, there's that pl- the the permabond with the red and yellow label. That's pretty common. It's not out there that much. Um, the Collins, the Homestead, that Collins Commander is is it's out there in some halfway decent numbers with the paper labels. What else is left? Plum we talked about. The Wood Slasher. Crap. Wood Slasher is out there. The Norlands, I think. The thing with the Norland is that whenever we see one and it's new old stock is that it catches our eye because it's in that packaging. If you see one of those, like Plum didn't do that. Collins didn't do that. Man, whoever. It's out there, man. And it's it's a package product that is totally different than what anybody else was doing. And so it catches your eye. And it's sort of like guys that are into toys. Those guys that collect toys, if you have that original box, everything is different than if you just have the original toy. It's the same with the axe. Like, if you have the axe with the paper label, that's one level. If you got the Norland with the sheath, if it's in that packaging, some guys, man, they, they just lose their mind over that stuff. So I think that's one of the things that sort of sets that Norland apart is that you never saw that before. Yes, I agree. Um they're out there. They're they're not out there in like crazy numbers. It's not like you can just go and just you know they're out there similar, but they uh, you know to me they're a different beast than uh, than the Collins or the uh, the Commander or anything like that. What say you, Mister Norland? I just feel like they were making axes all the way into the eighties. So you're gonna there's there's just pieces still there, you know what I mean? They're not it's not that old in the grand scheme of things. And I I agree with the unique packaging. Nobody else did that, so it stands out in our mind. And I also think you see a lot of the same ones regurgitated on eBay. Really? Just, yeah, somebody buys it, gets buyer's remorse, and it's just, when you when you buy one of those brand new in the package, it's three, four, six hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, just to set it on the shelf. Yeah, so then I think it gets regurgitated back on through eBay. Um, I know there's a couple that I'm waiting to come back. Um, they're in they're in a different packaging, uh, and I don't remember which one. I think it was a Trailblazer and a and a Camper, and I think it was in a set in a cardboard box, you know, versus the, the, I I can't, they have a name for that type of packaging. 
I can't remember the name of it. But anyways, the cardboard box had, you know, the Norland logos and all the, the guy in the canoe and all that. And it was the two pieces. And, and I'm waiting for that to regurgitate because I'd love to have that for my collection. Was it a vacuum form? Is that what it is? Yeah, vacuum form is what they normally do. Um, this was just a cardboard box, kind of like you would get, you know, the new council tool axes in a cardboard box. So I don't know. I just I don't think that in the grand scheme of things, the company's that old. And, you know, a lot of the stuff was on the shelves in Kmart back in the day. I mean, if you talk to somebody in their 50s, they'll, they'll tell you, oh, man, I remember buying my first one. I mean, I guess they don't talk that old. But they'll <laughs> come up with I remember buying mine at Kmart. We, we were in the fishing section and bought it at Kmart. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I was I was around then. I just didn't. It wasn't on my radar. I wish it was. I, I was freaking ten years old. But I didn't know you could buy them at Kmart. I just thought they were local hardware stores. No, I believe Kmart carried them. And you know, back when Kmart was cool. So, Killer, let's talk about, obviously, if we're talking about these axes and collecting them and their place in history, as with anything else that has some um, desire to it, talk to me about any kind of repos or fakes. Is that something that if I'm a new Norland guy and I'm getting into it and I'm hot and heavy and I want a Norland, do I have to watch out for something like that? The first time and oldest time that I have seen a, a fake Norlin was just last week, and I think I sent you guys the, the link. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that? Was it a was it a hammer? It was, it was a splitter, wasn't it? Like a mall? Yeah, it was a hand mall, a small mall, like a, like a snow and neely type mall. How do so, we know it's fake? I I I, I must have missed this conversation. Well, if it's not fake, it's the rarest Norland on the planet because I've never, ever seen one. And in, I mean, in the amount of time that I've spent researching, looking, and and buying Norlands, I feel like I've seen it all, right? And and I could be wrong because Norland is one of those companies that keep popping things up and uh, surprise you. But if I remember correctly, on this particular piece, um, it had it ne- nowhere on it did it say Norlin anywhere. It had the wrong markings for um, a man tool. Like it, it had didn't it have USA stamped in it? I'm trying to find it right now. It had something stamped in it, and I think it had an M stand stamped in it, but. It, like super deep, like you see now. Like when you when you buy a new mall or sledgehammer, the the freaking stamp is like a half an inch below the surface, right? Yeah, that's a red flag to me. The sticker on the side of it looked brand new. That's a red flag to me. Now the rest of the the mall was in good condition, and I believe the guy took it down. I believe he took that the auction down, so somebody probably ca- called him out. But anyways. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Officer Miller to the rescue. So if the guy took it down, then he knows <clears throat> excuse me, he knows he knows he's trying to pull a fast one. So the sticker looked new. Now that that's the thing. There um I don't want to call anybody out. 
Go ahead. He's doing his thing. I, no, I'm not gonna call him out. He's doing his things, but he is making repop stickers. The paper uh, labels. Yeah, so, so there is because I'm out here searching on the interweb, and there's a guy that has. It's an actual tin sign. Yeah. With the guy. No, yeah. And the, yeah. So, so there's, there's that being made. made. And then there's an axe out here. It's a genuine Norland where he has that sticker, but it's on the handle. And it even has the point that comes off to the right, like you see on a lot of those mm-hmm, original mm-hmm. Norlands. Yeah. And it's on the handle, which, again, you know, as we've talked about this. and They don't do take, that. Well, you, they don't do that. But your average Joe that doesn't know that is like, oh, my God, look at that. That's an original sticker. It looks fabulous. I got to have that. And especially, I think Killer's brought it up before, where, like, if you take, and this isn't meant to go over the wrong way, but, like, if you take a female or, like, a wife, and she's like, hey, listen, I want to buy my hubby an axe, and she looks at that, she's probably going to think, oh, my gosh, look at that. That's awesome. Yeah. Next thing you know, she just shelled out a couple hundred bucks for something that isn't technically legit. So, again, just word to the wise, you know, guys, you got to watch what you're looking for there, and you got to make sure that you do your due diligence. Uh, because there, I mean, I'm looking. There's there's Norland T-shirts out here. That's a that's a repo sticker with that big round logo. I don't I don't have a problem with the repo with the people making the T-shirts and even that tin sign. That that tin sign doesn't bother me at all. You know what I mean? Because there's no way you could. If you look at that and say, "Oh my God, that's our original advertising sign," you're an idiot. Okay. Right. <laughs> Correct. Like it's blatantly obvious that Norland never made that tin sign. Um, but where where I draw the line is when you start making any product that could modify the current condition of the axe to make it um, misconstrued as original, or that you could just take these stickers and start plopping them on anything, burn the handle, and call it a Norland. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I don't even. I, yes, it is counterfeit. And I, you know, one step further, there's there's one dude out on eBay that takes restored heads and makes his own like custom paper labels for him or whatever, and slaps them on there. I don't even agree with that. I think it. Like, if you're getting into axes and you're like, oh, my God, look at that really cool axe with that really cool label on there. Uh, that's just some fucking label that some dude just made up in in his office and put on an axe. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. That's, that's his own gig. Like, you can't look. It, what's it say? It probably says his axe company on it, right? No. Where Where am I? What am I looking at? Like, if you're going to make a Norland sticker, make it blatantly obvious that it's not original. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then so, I can't sell it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Make, if you want to make some Norland stickers, just go to, you know, make a Norland sticker. Don't. It, why are you making a paper label? And it won't be paper. It'll be vinyl. So that'll be a, a giveaway. Um, but why, why are you going through the trouble of making something that looks... Yeah. I think it's, you know, you just, you got to, uh, it, it all goes back to that, the old adage, you know, buyer beware. And in so, today's market, you just got to make sure that you put your time and your research in because that, unfortunately, it is out there. I haven't seen anything that has been like 
blatant where it's like, hey, listen, yeah, this is original. That one that Killer's talking about with the the mall is about as close. And I would struggle with that one because the pictures, the, the the label on that one actually had a little bit of wear and tear to it, but it didn't really match up with the the mall and the, the wear that was on the mall. But that one would be easy, especially online where you're looking at pictures and you can't get your hands on it. That one would be easy to to purchase. So I could see where that one would be an issue. This is what I'm talking about. All right. And I'm not trying to be a dick here or call this guy out or anything, but, um, just on eBay here, here's an ax. It says vintage ax head with pine tree, clean cut Oakland, Maine label. All right. So here's the description. We found this unmarked as to make her head in nice condition, refurbished it. We cleaned it, sharpened it, painted it, and put an original pine tree clean-cut axe label on it from the old Oakland, Maine axe makers. Um, so they've got these old labels that they have found. They're cleaning ahead, painting it, and putting this old label on an old head. This is not a pine tree clean-cut axe. This could be a freaking Kelly Wood Slasher. This could be a, a, a freaking anything, a no-name, unmarked head that they are pushing as something, as a freaking, as a piece for Maine. Are those the uh, the red and white ones? No, this one's black. Oh, okay. I think it's but, the same person, but okay. I, I just, yeah. I don't like this at all. Um, and it says on here... Um, we find this as an excellent way to display original axe labels. And when you have several together, it makes an outstanding collection. So, I mean, he's got another one on here. This is the, the Boy Scout axe. Like, this is the Boy Scout axe, all steel, Maine axe company, Oakland, Maine. That is not a Boy Scout axe. I, I just, I do not like what this guy's doing at all. Um... I find it to be very deceptive. I mean, he, I shouldn't say deceptive. It's misleading because he clearly says what it is. But to the uneducated buyer, this looks like something pretty cool and maybe valuable or something. But it's just a a shit unmarked head with an old label on it. I don't agree with it. Yeah, I've seen those out there. Killer, have you seen those? No, I have not. Okay. It's, again, you know, buyer beware. Um, and if we're talking about rabbit fan bases, you got your Norland guys, the whole, like, Maine, Oakland, Maine, and the companies that came out of there, I mean, they have their own Facebook group. I mean, those guys are very dedicated, very, um, I don't know if rabbit is the right word. It probably is, but they're very, very, uh, they take a lot of ownership in all those old Oakland axes and stuff like that. It would be interesting to talk to a couple of those guys and see what they thought about those. Because to to your point, you're taking an axe that did not actually come from that factory and you are labeling it as such. Pine tar axe from so-and-so or wherever. So their, their probably get-out-of-jail-free card is that they are pretty clear with it in the description. So it's not like they're they're trying to pull a fast one on you, but once that axe um, 
you know, shares hands two or three times down the line, who knows then what that transaction is going to look like into somebody that doesn't really know what's going on. Then yeah, now, now we got a, now we got an issue, but again, it's all back to buyer beware and know what you're getting yourself into. Cause it's unfortunately it's real these days. You got to watch what you're doing. All right. We wrapping this Norland horse and pony show up. Good grief. There are so many other things that I wanted to talk about. We got saddlebag with Norland. Thanks, Chris. Off of one person. I mean, I've, uh, I've given out as much information on Norland for now. <laughs> <laughs> I can go on for days about it, but yeah, it's pretty neat. Oh, All right, guys. Shit. Well, there's Tiff. Tiff in Tiff. the background. We Say appreciate something. it. Yeah, Tiff, get in here. Tiff, do you love New Orleans? Sure. Yes. What's your favorite one? I don't know. Whichever one's my husband's. Probably, probably the Frontiersman. There you uh, go. Just because that one was really hard for us to get. There you go. What's the Frontiersman? Educate me really quickly. Actual tomahawk. The actual tomahawk. Yeah, it it looks like an actual tomahawk because they have one oh. that's the tomahawk. Yeah. Oh, it's got the hawk eye, like uh, a pole uh, pole version tomahawk. No, <clears throat> as a regular a regular eye, but it looks like a tomahawk. Is it stamped? We How? About, really? Oh, Google. Sorry. Can I carry this? No, <clears throat> don't bring that up. Do not touch. Do not touch. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it in a glass case, and like I don't want to. Do not disturb. Of, no, it's just like you guys aren't going to be able to see the glare and all that stuff. All right, let's wrap this up. We appreciate everybody uh, taking the time listening to our uh, hour-long conversation on the history of O.A. Norland and Killinger. <laughs> Killinger, you're going to have to add that to your sheet of everything that you do seriously we'll, we'll put norland collector on there first maybe after goat herder <laughs> we'll see <laughs> but we appreciate everybody taking the time listening tell your friends uh leave us some comments uh hit the review button 17 stars would be appreciated or whatever it takes we'll catch everybody next time on episode 14 thank you Out. see you